to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Okay, are you ready? Are you ready? Good. All right, let's start tonight. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for a people walking in divine health. I thank you we are taking advantage of everything that Jesus provided for us on the cross, and we just thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you're doing in our lives and have done in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter 3. We're going to talk about living sickness free tonight. Look at verse 13. It says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Galatians 3, 13, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Through faith. So here it talks about Christ redeeming us from the curse. Now what was the curse? Sickness, disease, poverty, all those things basically that nobody wants. Here it says, Christ has already redeemed us from the curse. Back in the beginning when man was originally created, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, you'll find out that God did not create man in a position to be cursed. He created man in his image and his likeness. He created him happy, created him with fellowship with the Father. He gave him everything that he needed. But when Adam sinned against God at that time, there was a change that took place. In mankind, number one, he lost his nature. He now had the nature of the devil on the inside of him. He basically lost the authority that he was put here with to rule and to reign here on the earth. And he lost the Holy Spirit at that time, Christ on the inside of him. And at that time, he became a slave to the devil, to sickness, to disease, and to the curse. The Bible says, whoever you obey, you become a servant of. Since Adam obeyed the devil, he became a servant with all mankind of the devil. It was then that disease and pain and sickness actually entered into the world. It destroyed the health of God's creation. Christ, the Son of God, paid the penalty for our disobedience by being beaten and crucified on the cross. He endured our sentence of death for us. Christ has paid our debt completely. God has declared us free. Through his blood we have received remission for sins, and by his stripes we are what? Healed. So here it says, Christ has, past tense, redeemed us. Say, I am redeemed. Now notice here, redeemed from the curse of the law. And verse 14 says, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Through faith. So not only redeem you from the curse, but change you into a new creation, basically, the righteousness of God, so you could receive, notice, not get, not earn, not do your best, but simply receive the promise. Say, the promise. The promise. There's a lot of promises in the Bible, but there's only one the promise, and that's the Holy Ghost, that you could receive the promise, and you do that through simply faith. Right, go to Hebrews chapter 9. All right, Hebrews chapter 9, look at verse 12. It says, neither by the blood of goats and calves. How many know in the Old Testament this is the way they dealt with things? 
But by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained an eternal redemption for us. Now things changed in the New Testament when Jesus died. Number one, the blood of bulls and goats basically didn't pay the penalty. It just covered man's sin. But here we see that Jesus came once. Say once. Notice in the Old Testament they had to go in the holies of holies time and time again to take care of the problem. But here it was one shot deal by Jesus once into the holy place and he obtained for us an eternal redemption. Say eternal redemption. Now an eternal redemption, how many know that's a long time? So that means if you feel good today and you're delivered and redeemed, it's, you're redeemed because of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you get up tomorrow and you don't feel good, it doesn't make any difference because you've been eternally redeemed from sickness and disease. So you cannot let your feelings get above your eternal redemption simply by the way you feel or by the way you look. Basically, you've got to understand that you are redeemed, and Jesus did it how many times? One time. And when did he do it? A long time ago, didn't he? 2,000 years ago. So I am healed, not today, not tomorrow, but I was healed 2,000 years ago. So it doesn't matter what I feel like tomorrow or the next day. He took my infirmities. He bare my sicknesses. And because of that, basically, I am healed. This also restored mankind back to Genesis chapter 1, where now, once again, we have authority. We have God's nature on the inside of us. We have the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. Christ lives in us, the hope of glory. And we no longer live by the law of the land, but we live by the Spirit of God on the inside of us. The Bible says he no longer wants to write the law down on a table, but he wants to write it where? In our hearts. So in our hearts is the Spirit of God to lead us and guide us in everything that comes our way. He will bring the word to remembrance of you when a battle comes, if you get quiet enough to hear him. So when a symptom hits your body, the first thing you ought to do maybe is just be quiet and see what scripture he brings up. Chances are he's going to bring up, by my stripes you were healed. And when it comes up from the inside of you, he will remind you of that. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But you look at another translation, it says where the spirit is Lord, there is liberty. So the spirit has to be Lord in our life, doesn't he? And he does that by bringing the word of God into remembrance to us, reminding us that we have been redeemed, that Jesus went in one time so that we are completely delivered, and the Spirit of the Lord will lead us and guide us in everything that we do and keep us free from all sickness and all disease. Now, how many of you know as long as you're on the earth here, you're going to get attacked? It's going to come. Symptoms are going to try to hit your body. Things are going to try to hit your body. This physical body, how many of you know, is not immune from that stuff? But basically we have power and authority over our physical bodies because our physical bodies is not us. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a physical body. So somebody's going to rule over this body. It's either going to be the devil and the curse or it's going to be the spirit of God and you. You have the choice to do that. And you do that, of course, the, the dividing line is your soul, what you think. Where does it go? Which way does your soul go when the attack comes? Does it hook up with your spirit or does it hook up from the curse and what's in the natural realm? That's why we have to continually renew our mind on the word of God to understand that by his stripes we were healed a long time ago. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 19. Paul says, What know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are who? They're God. So here it tells us that we were purchased with a price. He bought our body. 
He bought our spirit, and he did it with the blood that he shed on the cross. You were bought with a price, one price, for both things, for your spirit and for your body. God so loved us that he paid a great price to redeem us. Redeem means to buy us back and put us in our original state. He did that on the cross. He gave his son as our substitute so we could be restored to God as though sin had never been committed. The Bible calls it being justified. Say justified. justified. Now what does justified mean? Everybody knows, just as if I never sinned. So basically, when you get born again, you become a new creation, and your past is wiped away. How many of you, know, how many of you are glad about that? How many of you are glad that you didn't have to go to the cross to pay the penalty? I mean, you stop and think about it. Even, even if it came to the point where you could have did it, I'm not so sure that I would have did it. I mean, you want to go to heaven or hell? Why well, I want to go to heaven? Do you want to go on the cross? I think I'll just stick with hell. I mean, come on. Oh, we're just going to nail your hands and your feet up and hang you on the cross. I'd say, I'll just bide my time, go to hell, man. We didn't have to do that, make that decision. How many of you are glad? Hallelujah, because Jesus made that decision for us. He legally, this is a legal thing, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. He set us free. So the day that you were saved, your salvation is your emancipation from everything outside of God's will for humanity. Now you can act according to it. You can learn to speak the language of a winner now. You can confess your freedom instead of your bondage. You can confess with his stripes I am healed instead of talk about your sickness and your days of sickness and your pains and everything else. You can come to a place where you get up every day and say my days of sickness and disease are over forever. So we need to confess our redemption that it is complete from all sin and all sickness. A lot of times you have to confess that Satan's dominion over you has been broken at Calvary once and for all, and the devil has no right to trespass on God's property. So Satan, you sing the song, Satan had me bound, but Jesus set me free. Well, Satan had us bound, Jesus set us free, but Jesus actually gave us the ability to be free. He didn't set us free, because until you know the truth, you still won't be free, even though Jesus set you are you following me? So everybody says, and Jesus set me free. Well, Jesus made it available for you to be free, but you won't be free unless you know the truth. And when you know the truth, then you are free. So it's more than just say, well, Jesus set me free. And everybody's running around sickness, disease, running around in lack. Jesus set me free, and they're not free. You've got to know the truth in order to stand in the truth. And the truth is important because you need evidence. Whatever you're going to fight and whatever you're going to go to court with in the spiritual world, you need to have evidence. I mean, you'd have to have clear evidence that Jesus bought and paid for it. He was your substitute. He bought you. He, by his stripes, you were healed. Because you're going to need all that evidence when the battle comes, basically, in order to get through the fight. Praise God. All right, go to John 19. One scripture where <clears throat> Peter one time was rebuking Jesus, and Jesus said, basically, yes, I do have to go to the cross. And then he said, Satan, get behind me. Remember that? I'm sure Peter appreciated that. But, uh, <laughs> but what was he telling us? You've always got to keep the curse and everything behind you. Don't let it get out in front of you. So if a symptom comes and you start to feel like you're getting sick and you start to think and talk like you're getting sick, Satan now got in front of you. You've got to keep him behind you. Yeah. Do you follow what I'm saying? I've already been healed 2,000 years ago. I'm going to stay in front of him. I'm not going to get behind him. And I'm not going to let him pull me back into a place where I'm trying to achieve it or I'm trying to get it or I'm hoping for it. I'm going to stay in front, basically, of the thing, basically, because it was already provided for me. 
All right, John chapter 19. Look at verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. So our salvation at our salvation, deliverance and redemption were finalized. They were done. From the works of Satan, they've been accomplished by Christ. It is finished. The battle has been fought and it already has been won. The enemy had been conquered and forced to surrender. Our salvation, our healing, and our deliverance are finished when Jesus said it was finished. Christ gained total triumph and complete victory over the works of the devil, which he came to destroy. Now we are liberated from the hands of the oppressor. We can live free of sickness and disease. We have the victory that overcomes the world. And what is that victory? Our faith. Our faith in what now? Everybody says, well, I got victory because I have faith. Well, faith in what? Well, I have faith in Jesus. Well, that's good. Well, I have faith in God. Well, that's good. What do you have faith in? You have to have faith in it is finished. By his stripes, I've been healed. He's already provided it for me. He paid the penalty for me. I want to put faith in the healing that he provided for me, not just in Jesus. You can't put faith in Jesus if you don't know what Jesus said. You can't put faith in anybody that comes up to you if you don't know what they said. Well, I've got a lot of faith in so-and-so. Have you ever talked to him? No, I've got a lot of faith in him. You don't have any faith in them until you know what they said. So basically, we walk by faith. It is finished. It is done. It is over with. It all belongs to us. Therefore, we can live in victory over everything in this world, and we do it by simply believing what Jesus has already done. Now, we do not use faith to try to get something. We use faith because we already have something. The church has taught us that if you've got enough faith, you'll get your healing. If you've got enough faith, you'll get this. No, the healing belongs to you. If you've got faith, you believe. Faith is always present tense. It's never hope. And faith will get you into hope. Well, I hope God heals me. I wonder if I'm going to get healed. I wonder if the sickness is going to go. Whenever you start wondering and hoping, you've taken a step back. And now, what's Jesus going to do? Because he's only going to come how many times? Once. See, if it would have said he'll come down every time we need him. Then he could come down again and again and again. But he did it one time. It's already over with. It's already done. So I don't want to be pulled back into a place where I'm hoping for something that he already paid for. You know, I mean, you buy a new car, you don't hope for one after that, usually. You got it. It's in your driveway, for God's sakes. It's the same way with healing. It's already been provided for us. So we don't want to get out in a place where it, and then you start having those thoughts, is God going to heal me? Why doesn't God heal me? And then it's, doesn't God love me? He heals everybody. And all these things start to spiral backwards. And the more you think about them and ponder them, the worse you get. Because then you're going to try through your own works. Well, maybe if I confess four more times, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. No, that didn't do it. Maybe five more times. And you, confession is something that you know in your heart. It's not something you do to get something. Yeah. See, we've been taught to use your faith confession to get something. No, you either know it or you don't. I mean, you're confessing you're healed because you are healed. Not so God looks down and says, oh, that was our thousandth time they said it, and now I'm going to heal them. It doesn't work that way, but we've been taught that faith works that way, and faith doesn't work that way. You're either healed or you're not. You've got to make up your mind. He either paid for it or he didn't. You've got to make up your mind one time, you're either saved or you're not. See, when you first got saved and somebody asked you, you probably wondered if you were or not for a little bit because you weren't established in it. But the Spirit of God's on the inside of you to establish you in the things that Jesus bought and paid for for you. So it'll establish you in your salvation. He'll establish you in your healing. He'll establish you in finances. He'll establish you in all these things so that you're established and you're there. And at salvation, everybody thinks at salvation, we basically received salvation, but actually we received the Savior. And there is a difference. 
we received the sa salvation, you received the Savior on the inside of you. But we were taught salvation, now you're going to heaven. Well, that's all I need, praise God. But no, you need, you need the Savior, for God's sakes, on the inside of you. That's what you received, because you're going to need him the rest of your life down here, praise God, and in all eternity. So you received the Savior at that time, not just salvation from hell, as everybody thinks. All right, go to Galatians chapter 5. You'll only be able to control your mouth by your heart. If your heart's not bent on the word, doesn't understand, don't do anything, let me tell you, when stress comes, your mouth will just, will just go. Praise God. Like a mighty river, praise God, it'll flow out of the inside of you. All right, Galatians chapter 5. Paul says you need to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Now this explains it pretty well right here. This is telling you that you already are free. Christ has made me free. Now I need to stand fast or stay in that freedom. Now is that God's responsibility? No, it's ours, isn't it? So what's going to happen? I'm going to have to act free. I'm going to have to live free. But I'm going to have to talk and think free at the same time. Sometimes you have to just tell the devil that you already know the truth. How many know he's a liar? He tries to lie to you. He has kept us from knowing our legal rights in the kingdom of God, and he's made salvation just a trip to heaven, and that's all it is for most people. But the God of this world blinds the minds of them which do what? Believe not. So he tries to keep you from believing what Jesus has already provided for you by bringing you counter evidence to it so that you'll believe the counter evidence instead. So by your continual confession of God, it's a word you can stand fast in the freedom of Satan's dominion in your life. Jesus bore your sicknesses and carried your diseases. It's proof basically of a perfect healing. So a lot of times when I, I get attacked, I not only confess who I am and what I did, but I talk to not only God, but I talk to the enemy at the same time. I tell him that I know the word. I tell him exactly where it's at in case he wants to read it, in case he can't find it. I want him to be able to find where it's at. I tell him that I know by the stripes of Jesus I've been healed. I know that he's under my feet. I know he's got no legal right in the kingdom of God to put sickness and disease on me. So I, I start talking to my confession. I know Jesus was my substitute, and I'm going to take advantage of everything that he provided for me. So when the attack comes, basically, it's our job to stand fast, in the liberty, uh, this do, just doesn't go with sickness and disease. It goes with finances. goes with everything else. Sometimes money gets a little tight. Things aren't looking too good. Where are we going to go with our confession? Is he going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory? Or did he forget that scripture? See, sometimes we get to that point, don't we? Well, when money's good, oh, my, praise the Lord. Let all God's people. And then money gets tight. Oh, God's people. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Come on, it takes the praise right out of your heart and out of your mouth, don't it, when things get tough. But it, the scripture hasn't changed. So what has changed? Our thought life has changed in that situation. All at once, money's tight, and if you think on it long enough, you'll see your house being repoed, your car being repoed. You'll see yourself under the bridge down there in Ford Pierce. I mean, the more you meditate it, the more you're going to see that you don't need to see because that's not you. <clears throat> So all we need to do, basically, since he was our substitute, is believe what the word says and stand in what he's already said that he did. All right, go to James 4. All right, James chapter 4, look at verse 7. 
it tells you to submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will do what? He will flee from you. Now, how many know this is the word of God? This is truth. So we must refuse to allow sickness and disease to get in or stay in our body because we are healed by Jesus' stripes. If Christians would believe this, this would probably be the end of so-called chronic ailments in people's bodies, basically, when they understand this. Satan is a deceiver. He is a liar. His lie will bind you if you listen to it and you agree with it. Sickness, disease, sin, and infirmities were all laid, every single one of them, on Jesus Christ, and he bore them for us. He carried them away, and he left us free and well. We should rejoice in the liberty which is ours. Now, notice what it says. Submit to God. Say, submit to God. God. Now, that word there basically means to come in agreement with. So the first thing I have to do before I resist the devil is come into agreement with God in order to resist the devil. If I submit to the devil and the symptoms, how many know I cannot cast out something I'm claiming to have? I mean, you're fighting yourself. Then the devil can just stand back and watch you beat your own brains out. I'm sick, but get out of my life, sickness. I feel so bad. Out of my life. Make up your mind, man. You've got to submit to one or the other, God or the symptoms, God or what the world's telling you. And if you submit to the one, then you have no authority over something that you're claiming. If you claim to be a sinner, you have no authority over sin. If you claim to be sick, you have no authority over sickness. You have to submit to God, and then you resist the devil. And redemption, basically, sooner or later, will start to become a reality in your life instead of just a song or a word. We sing, I'm redeemed and I'm free all the time, but I didn't know anything about it because at that time I felt good. I was in the corporate anointing and I felt good and I was redeemed. And then I'd go home and about Wednesday I felt like absolute crap. And I thought, well, that's fine. I won't sing that song now until I feel good again. I feel like a heretic to sing that song again. I didn't know it was fact. I just thought it was a song. So a lot of the songs that we sing are hopefully trying to build on the inside of you to teach you who you are now, that you are a brand new species of being that never existed before. You're a new spiritual creation. You have been freed from the kingdom of darkness once and for all. He rescued us out of the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You've been translated. Say translated. translated. Now this translation doesn't take 42 years. It takes an instant. As soon as you moved into the kingdom of God, there was a change that took place in your life. So you are no longer a slave of the devil anymore like you were. You are now, the Bible says, you've been raised up and seated in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in every name that is named. The Bible says you are now a king and a priest. What does a king do? He rules. Now you can rule over sickness and disease. You can rule over these things that try to come into your life. The Bible says you're a priest. What's your priest? A priest is someone who fellowships with God. How I many in order to fellowship with God, you have to be in agreement with God? Yeah. You ever had a friend who disagreed with everything you said? Yes. How many know they're not your friend anymore? <laughs> no, they drive you nuts, don't they? Boy, it's nice out today. Oh, it's terrible out today. I've never seen anything like this. It's just, my gosh, you think, oh, my gosh, can't they get anything right with me? What's going on? What's the same way God says you're healed? I'm sick. God says, you're a winner. I'm a loser. God says, dear, gosh, what am I doing here? I'm going to go find somebody else to fellowship with today. They're driving me nuts, praise God. So it says, resist the devil and sickness, and what will happen? It will flee. All right, go to John chapter 8. I submitted to God, resist the devil, and he's fleeing. Did he flee? I sure hope he did. I'm hoping and a praying that he did. I wish he'd go. No. The scripture says he will. 
faithfully. And that's where you've got to stay. What am I going to do? Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set me free. All right, John chapter 8. Look at verse 44. Jesus was talking to the people. He said, You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Praise God. I mean, that's pretty stern right there. Here it says that Satan is a liar. He has no truth in him. He will attack you with symptoms and come at you to try to get you into fear. You are redeemed. He no longer has a right to trespass on your body, which now belongs to God. He is trespassing. We have been redeemed from his dominion by Jesus Christ. Notice, the devil has no truth in him whatsoever. And we know that the truth makes you free, but a lie makes you bound. So that means if he has no truth in him, he has to be the most bound creature in the entire universe because he has no truth in him whatsoever and if lies bind you he is the king of bondage praise God in his own life so basically you just say to the enemy this sickness that you're trying to put on me this day this symptom you're trying to put on me was taken care of at the cross of Calvary you know that I don't have to bear it because Jesus already bore it for me I just command you in the name of Jesus you get away from my body you get off my body in Jesus name I am free from the curse that is written with his stripes I am healed so I am healed God said so Satan, you're a liar. Your pains and your symptoms and your lies are all lies. And your words I don't even take into my thought life. You are the father of all lies, and I thank God that I am healed. Now, once you say the I am healed, that is, you can end that with, it is finished. Because it's got to stay there now. And did, did, do I feel better? No. It didn't say you'd feel better. It said you would be healed. Are you following me? You can't let feelings get involved. Or I'll tell you what you do. You do what I did the first time. Satan, in the name of Jesus, you get off my body in Jesus' name. The Bible says that I'm healed. Praise God. Satan, I said, in Jesus' name, you get off of my body now. In Jesus' name, you get off my body. I said in the name over and over and over. Why? Because I was going by feeling, not by what the word told me. Are you listening? And since I was going by feeling, I thought maybe if, if I used a different voice. If I yelled, you, know, you come up with all, if I knelt, all these things are running through my mind. I mean, I'm dealing with nobody who believes in sickness or in healing and everything. I'm new in this stuff, and I don't know what to do. I'm rebuking it. It don't seem to be going away right away, and I'm thinking all different ways I can do it. I mean, am I misquoting something? Am I doing something wrong? Am I, and I'd go through this stuff. So it's a learning process on you, but I'm saving you some steps because of the stupidity I went through. So once you made it, that's it. It's fine. A lot of times I'll use a watch. I am healed, praise God, as of 801. Glory to God, I just want to thank you that I'm healed. Well, you don't feel healed, don't matter. At 801, praise God, I got healed, praise God. I received my healing at 801. So you set a time limit on it and you stay. What am I going to stand fast in 801? Praise God, I'm going to stay right there because that's the time I said it, that's the time I received it, and it belongs to me no matter what. And as you stay there, it will slowly, gradually get better. Sometimes it leaves right away. Sometimes it takes longer to stand depending on what it is. See, if it's a cold, it's not so bad. If it's something they hit you with that's huge, then it's a little bit different to stand fast in the liberty where it's Christ has made us free because we think Jesus can handle the little ones, but maybe not the big ones, praise God. Hallelujah.
So we have to understand we're free with dominion. We have dominion. You have dominion. You've got it, praise God. Just like your kids, they misbehave. You point a finger at them. You yelled at them, bless God, they better move. Hallelujah. It's the same way when you talk to the devil. He's got to go, praise God. There's no question whether he does or whether he doesn't. He goes, and you can't look for physical evidence on the thing. You simply stay on the word of God. The number one enemy of the church in this day and age and any day and age, I'll tell you what it is, it's ignorance. 99% of the church don't even know that healing belongs to them. 99% don't even know what Jesus died for or was raised for. The other 88% don't understand that God lives on the inside of them. They don't know they got authority. They don't know they got power. Well, then how many know you're going to be born again, go to heaven, but you're going to live an ordinary life? An ordinary, you're not going to be any different than anybody else out there. You're going to be living like them. You're going to get sick when sickness comes around. You're going to get sad when sadness comes around. You're going to get depressed when depression comes around. It, it takes effort to walk in the kingdom of God. Faith effort. You have to believe it. You can't let yourself get pulled down with thoughts about nobody loves me, nobody cares about me. And, you, and it makes you just feel terrible anyway, and we keep doing it and meditating on it. You can't do that, praise God. You've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, praise God, and understand that the joy of the Lord is your strength, glory to God. That, that's why in, in some churches you see the joy break out. Why? We need it. And then the church that's depressed, down and out, and sourpussed want to fight against the joy when it shows up. I mean, get a clue. My God, if anybody needs a joy, it's you. Yeah. The joy will start to bubble up on the inside. The joy of the Lord is your, it's your strength. The Bible knows what it's talking about. And it's a joy that passes understanding. There doesn't have to be anything funny. And that's the bad part about it because people ask you why you're laughing and you can't tell them. You can at least say, I heard a good joke, or this happened, but a lot of times nothing happened. You're just laughing, praise God, and that's it. What is that? It comes from here. That joy doesn't come from here. It doesn't come from, it comes from deep down on the inside of you to a point where if you really get hit with a joy, you're almost sore by the afternoon that it ripped certain parts out of you that were never in there before. I'm telling you what, you're at home saying, God, I feel like somebody ripped something out of the inside of me because it came out of deep out of your spirit, out of the inside of you and sets you free, praise God. So... So praise God. Joy's all right. Glory to God. It's okay. Glory to God. I just want to say that's okay. Praise God. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's okay. And who do you think probably criticizes the joy the most? Someone who never got the joy. Because <laughs> once you get it, you can't deny it. <laughs> you just you can't say it's not real because it was. Either you were doing a heck of a fake job when you got hit. All right, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he is. He is. He is a new creature. Old things are. Behold, all things have become, and all things are of who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So this tells you you are. You are the day you were born again in the kingdom. You are right now a new creation. You're made back into the image and likeness of God himself. You are one spirit with the Lord. We've been studying that on Sunday. God gives us his nature. He gives us his love. Did you ever hear somebody pray for more love? They don't need more love. They just need to use the love that they got on the inside of them. And by God not giving them enough love, they got an excuse not to love. Darn God. See, that's the way we think. Give me more love. No, use the love you got. Praise God. Do what the Bible tells you to do and exercise your love. He can't give you any more love. He's already given you God on the inside of you, and God is love. 
He's given us his spirit. He's given us power. He's given us authority. You are a different person than you were the day that you got born again. All that Jesus did was for us. Everything Jesus did was for us. Nothing was for himself. How many know he didn't have to pay for his sins? He didn't have to pay for his sickness. Why? Because he had no sin and he had no sickness, praise God. So everything that he did, he did for us, basically, so that we could reap the benefits of it. We are now recreated in Christ Jesus, and we are made partakers with him in this earth walk and purpose that we have here. We have been made conquerors through him. When Jesus was crucified, the Bible says, that day you were crucified. When Jesus was buried, you were buried with him. When Jesus arose, we arose. When Jesus went back to the throne and sat at the right hand of God, he made us sit together in heavenly places in all authority with him. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. God made us what we are, a new creation. You are a king, you are a victor, and you are a ruler, all done by God the day that you got born again and came into the kingdom of God. All right, go to John chapter 8. You get into the IMs of who you really are. It's like taking spiritual vitamins. You start feeling down. You say, well, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a victor. Praise God, I've been raised and seated in heavenly places. Glory to God, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Praise God, I get the peace that passes all understanding. And you just start to raise up. It's like you're being lifted off the ground or something. Uh, nothing ever works for me. I'm just a loser. I can't do anything. I wish things would work out for me. And then you don't look for somebody to pull you out. You look for somebody who wants to go down in with you. You can hold hands, <laughs> go down, but a real person who loves you will come by and say, hey, smack you and say, wake up, and then they'll either get offended or you'll change, praise God, but if you're mature enough, you'll make the adjustment, hallelujah, glory to God, and then you'll thank that person who you didn't like there for a few seconds. All right, John chapter 8, look at verse 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So all the Son did for us, he did make us free, therefore we are free. You can now partake in a lifestyle with no more sickness, no more disease. Christ has set us free. We were captives at one time. You're no longer captive. The devil now is underneath your feet. You need to meditate on and think more on your ability than the devil's ability. The church sometimes magnifies the devil and how big he is when we should be magnifying the Christ on the inside of us who's much bigger than the devil anyway. That definitely helps when the time comes. So we were bound and we were in prison, but Christ has set us free from the slavery that we were in thanks to Adam. We were sick, but he carried our sicknesses and disease away. We were slaves of Satan, but we were bound by sin and sickness and all those things. But once we got born again, everything changed that day. All he did from there on out, basically, was it, you, you didn't get any more free. You learned about your freedom. You started to understand what happened to you on that day. And how many know it takes time to figure out what happened to you on that day? I mean, it takes us time to figure out on January 1st that, that it's a new year. We're so used to writing 2023 that we write 2023, and it's actually 2024. Why? Because we're locked into 2023. That's what we're locked into doing, basically. Some people, when they get married, they, they write their maiden name on their first things that they write. Why is that? Because they've been writing it so long, they still, 
in their mind think the maiden name's there, but it's not. How I many you know that's not the truth? That's the other. So it's the same way. You thought you were a loser. Now let the Word of God and the Holy Spirit show you you're not a loser. You're a winner. Show that you're a brand new species of being, that you have authority over, that you can live free of sickness and disease. The first time I read about it, I thought the guy who I was reading, I put his book down, I thought he was a heretic. Why? Because nobody ever told me you could live free. Nobody ever told me you could repel sickness and disease, that you had the authority to do that, that you had. I was coming out of a thing where we suffered for Jesus. So when we got sick, you know, we suffered for Jesus. We prayed for healing, but we should have been praying for more suffering if we were doing it for Jesus. I couldn't really figure out which to pray for, more suffering or to be healed. So I didn't really do anything then. I just lived in sickness all the time, praise God, because we didn't know no better. But then you get in the Word of God, and you start finding it out, and you get into some teaching that tells you the truth. And the more you learn, the more you grow in the things of God, you'll find out that you are righteous, not trying to be. And once you find out that you are righteous, you'll start walking in the righteousness that you are simply by claiming who you are, not by becoming righteous. You're already made righteous. Jesus did everything that we ever need to do, praise God. All we've got to do is understand that it belongs to each and every one of us. Health belongs to you. It is your divine right. Prosperity belongs to you. Uh, I mean, what's prosperity? Prosperity is enough money for you to live comfortably on and have enough money to do whatever God called you to do. It's not to make everybody $40 million people because that would destroy 90% of us anyway. I mean, you read about people that won the lottery, about every single one that won the lottery is now in poverty in a funny farm someplace because they didn't know what to do with the money that they won. No, I want enough money, praise God, to live comfortably, but enough to do whatever God's calling me to do at the same time. And he'll do that, praise God, because it's his work, his purpose, and it's his job to support his purpose and his plan. Not your plan, his plan, praise God. Glory to God. So here it says that he has made us free. We have a right to claim our liberty. We can claim our deliverance. We can claim our freedom. You should walk around even when you're driving down the road. Just thank God sometimes that you've been totally set free, praise God. It's so good to be healed, glory to God. So good to be financially blessed, hallelujah. I'm so glad I'm not in bondage anymore. I'm free, praise God, hallelujah. All right, go to 1 John chapter 3. When you get this stuff into your heart and start to get a revelation of it, you'll naturally talk in line with what's in your heart. So when you understand that you're free from the devil, you'll talk like you're free from the devil. You'll never talk like the devil has anything on you. You'll never talk like being sick again. You'll never talk about these because it's become a revelation on the inside of you. You know, are you going to heaven? Yes. I mean, you don't have to struggle to say yes. You know you're born again. You know you're going to heaven, basically. Well, there's going to come a day when somebody say, you're different. You can say, yeah, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away. I'm a spiritual being that hardly ever existed before. And they're going to look at you like you're crazy, but it comes out. And sometimes it comes out, and you'd like to pull it back. Because you're going to get persecuted, aren't you? Somebody say, well, I've been sick all the time. That sickness is going around. How are you? Yeah, it goes right around my house. Praise God. I don't get sick anymore. Sickness, disease, don't come near my family. <laughs> <laughs> about ready to slap you. They're about ready to get. Well, everybody gets sick sometime. And I like to say, let it be done according to your faith. Good way to make enemies, huh? No, you can live sickness-free, praise God. And when you get that in your mind, then you won't have a struggle so much when sickness disease hits you because you're already ahead of it, you know, in your soul, basically. All right, First John chapter 3. Look at verse 8, it says, He that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning, but for this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, what are the works of the devil? 
sin, sickness, the curse, lack, anything that hurts humanity basically is of the devil. Jesus came to destroy. He has broken the power of. He has defeated the foe. Jesus has triumph, and it's our triumph. His victory is my victory. He did it all for me. He defeated Satan for me. He spoiled his power for me. He destroyed his works for me. He conquered him just for little old me. Hallelujah. He arose from the lies and bondage. Now we confess that we are a winner. How many of you know you're a winner? Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now I want to hold fast to that confession of faith without wavering back and forth. I don't want to feel like a winner one day and feel like a loser the other. And whenever you talk like that, you'll always put the word feel in there. You'll notice that. How you doing today? What I feel, as soon as you get there, you better stop. Because you're, you're going to say something stupid. I feel extra tired today, extra sick today. I just feel extra down today, praise God. No, you don't want to go by feelings. You want to go by the Word of God, hallelujah. So you maintain your confession of the Word of God, not only under attack, but all the time. You live this way. This is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Every believer can become a devil's master overnight simply by getting a revelation of what Jesus did for it and showed you that he's been eternally defeated once and for all. That one scripture in Hebrews 9:12, where he's been eternally defeated covers everything for you. Sickness, eternally defeated. Lack, eternally defeated. Down days, eternally defeated. Depression, eternally defeated. They've all been eternally defeated by Jesus on the cross. They've already been taken care of. So you don't see Satan as this great big uh, four-eyed, 18 teeth green monster with four pitchforks and you see devil like he is he's defeated he's already down Jesus already slapped the snot out of him praise God he's already on the canvas so basically you'll live that way then how many know what you're not afraid of you're not afraid of see if you're afraid of something then you're going to have trouble overcoming something like that until basically you do it or get a revelation that you no need to be fear but God has not given us a spirit of but a spirit of Love, power, and a sound mind. So he's already given us that spirit. Well, we want to operate in that spirit. In order to operate in that spirit, you have to agree with what that spirit tells you or what that spirit telling you rather than what's on the other side where fear comes in all the time. All right, go to John 14. And as you, as you make an effort to... Convince yourself of these things. You know, maybe you're like sometimes I'll walk around the block, I'll pray in the Holy Ghost, and I'll just say, praise God, it's so good to be a victor. It's so good to be a conqueror. It's so good to always be on top. It's so good to be filthy rich. It's just wonderful to have money, to do whatever I want to do, and wherever I want to go, praise God, it's just one. I was confessing that when we had nothing. When we were $350,000 in debt, I started confessing that. And when I first started confessing it, how many know I felt like I was totally lying? All my needs are met. Because how many know they weren't? We were deep in debt, praise God. But that's when God made the thing. He said, hey, there's two ways you can do this. You can dig yourself out, which you can't, or you can start trusting me. I said, well, I'll start trusting you because I certainly ain't going to be able to do it, you know. So I just started trusting God. I changed the way I talked. I quit complaining about not having anything. I quit complaining about the church not having enough money. I quit complaining. Pastors are going to be behind the pulpit and tell you all the bad things that are going on in their church and they ain't got much money. Well, that's the worst thing you can do, for gosh sakes. You might as well get up and tell everybody it's great because God said it's great and he's going to meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. And the only reason you get up there to do that kind of stuff is to manipulate Oh, poor pastor. We'll give an extra $3.50 now because he's having a tough time. But you don't need manipulation when you've got God. 
because God's going to fulfill his word, praise God. So my talk started changing. It started changing on, already changed on the righteousness of God. I knew that, but things were starting to change, and, and I'd do it all the time. I mean, I just wouldn't do it when I got hit with something. I was talking all the time, convincing myself. Then I found basically I would do it. It would come out of my spirit, and I wouldn't be trying to say it. You know what I mean? You're just driving down the road, and all at once, and you're not thinking all what's on your mind. says, it's so good to be victorious. I said, where'd that come from? <laughs> Praise God. It came from the inside of me. So good to be victorious. That's right. Praise God. I'm going to agree with me. Praise God. You are. Yeah. You're doing good. Hallelujah. But once you build it in there, it gets in there. And it comes up on the inside of you. There's songs that I've sung 32 years ago that all once start coming up on the inside of me. Becky say, where in the heck did you get that? I said, I don't know. It just came up on the inside of me. I guess that's the song I needed today. You know, like the one I sang Sunday. I haven't sang that song in forever, praise God. But what happens? It comes up on the inside of you. It was in there. And when you need it, the Holy Ghost, like, brings it out. It's like the old jukeboxes. It, like, pushes J4. By my stripes you are healed. G2, he meets all my needs according to his riches and glory. It's like he pushes the right button and it comes up out of the inside. And when it's doing that, you know it's powerful. Because you're not trying to think of it. You're not going through the Bible trying to look it up. It's already become part of you. Not only is he abiding in you, but you're now abiding in him. And you two have become one. And it just comes out of your mouth. And that's where healing comes in a lot of times. When you lay hands on people, you're not trying to heal, trying to struggle. It just comes out of the inside of you. And it's powerful. It just may be, be healed, get up, do this. That's the way Jesus did. He wasn't thinking about what to do. It just came out of the inside of him. He said it, and bang, it hit every time because the power of God is released through your words by the Holy Ghost that's on the inside of you. All right, where, where are we going here? You, John 14. All right, John 14, look at verse 12. Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go where? So the word says here that we have become what Christ is, basically. We, of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. It says here that we will be able to do the same things and even greater things than Jesus did. Now, you can look at this two different ways. You can say that we can do greater things because there's more of us with God in us, and there was only one Jesus. Or you can see when Jesus did all of his works, he did them before he suffered, died, was raised, and glorified. Are you following me? I don't have the pre-Jesus in me. I have the glorified Christ in me. Come on now. So we're looking at, I wish I could do what Jesus could do. I want to do what the glorified Christ can do. Uh, Jesus is fine, but I'd rather have the glorified Christ working on the inside of me. Here it says you will do greater things. And it's not because you're any better. It's because you've got something better on the inside. Come on. You've got more power under the engine. You can go faster, praise God. So here it says we can do that stuff. Why? Because we have the glorified Christ on the inside of us. So when I'm speaking to sickness and disease, I'm not speaking it to me from me. I'm speaking it to it from a glorified Christ who's on the inside of me that already paid for it, praise God. And I got the scripture to back it up and it belongs to me. It's not me even talking to it. It's the Christ on the inside of me speaking to that thing. All right, go to Mark 16. I'm glad we've been teaching on this because I needed it a couple times in the last six weeks, you know. Yeah. 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 Yep. And you want to say, you can't attract me. I teach this stuff. But he don't care. No respect, no respect whatsoever. Can't believe it. Don't even know, don't even know who I am. God, I'm appalled by that. 
my God. All right, Mark 16. Look at verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall what? Now these are all things that you do in the name of Jesus or in place of Jesus or instead of Jesus. How I many know Jesus is not here to do these things anymore, so he has to do them through you because he lives on the inside of you. So here in the kingdom, basically, we'll be able to speak in, in line with God. Praying in tongues is always in line with the will of God. You cannot fail when you're praying in tongues. The old language that we used to talk about sickness and disease and lack and inability, all that stuff will sooner or later start to stop in your life because you won't be able to do it. I'll tell you, in, in my opinion, you're better off as a Christian to cuss than to keep talking about sickness and disease. See? Because when you're talking about sickness and disease, you're convincing yourself that you're sick when you're cussing. It probably just slid out anyway. Come on, some of the old man jumped up situation came and it came flying out but when you're talking doubt and unbelief and negativity that stuff you know who hears that you do you hear yourself so when you're talking about being weak and sick and down and out and painful and this and that I mean all that stuff's not helping you in that situation when you understand that you've been healed you won't talk that way anymore you'll want to talk that way but times are you don't have to how many of you don't have to tell everybody your problems and if you do there's a select few you want to tell and basically even when somebody calls me I say do you want me to contact anyone else or not contact anyone else because it makes a difference who you contact I mean you can put it out on a on a prayer chain where 50,000 people are praying for it but my god you got one prayer of negativity one of faith one of you got a battle going on between the 50,000 people the devil's just sitting back watching people beat each other up with their prayers and doubt and unbelief and some got faith and you don't know what it's not how we think how many people we get praying God's going to do it we got 30 people on the prayer line, so God's got to do it. He don't care how many people you got on the prayer line. He cares if you're believing him. Amen. Simple. And that only takes one person or two people or three people. or whatever. It doesn't take a whole lot of people. We were taught to pray the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I guess we thought God was hard hearing. I didn't know <laughs> if he didn't do it, but the same prayer over and over. I mean, he had to say, oh, my God, if I hear that prayer one more time, I'm going to step off the throne here for a little bit and tell you. But that's what we were taught to do. Why? Because if we, if we pushed him enough, if we aggravated him, if we made God mad enough, he wouldn't hear that prayer anymore. He's probably going to do something about it. But see, that's the way our thinking is. It doesn't take a whole lot. It takes simply the word of God and you believing what the word of God says and standing on that word of God, and it'll work for you every single time. So you want to do it with people who have faith, people who are going to pray, and they're going to stand with you. Hallelujah. All right. Go to First Peter chapter 5. About out of time here. First thing I got when I got born again was basically I got a strong dislike for the devil. I don't know why. I mean, before that, you just watched TV shows and, you know, exorcist and all that stuff, and you saw the devil. You didn't really care whether he was there or not, you know. But once I got born again, something inside me just 
I just didn't like him very well, praise God. And when I started reading, like on sickness and disease, I found out that that belonged to him. And basically to me, that was the devil. So if I'm going to resist this devil, then I've got to resist sickness and disease because I hate sickness and disease too. And I hate lack. And I hate sin. And I hated all these things rather than saying, there's the devil. But I, I don't care whether he's sick or not. Don't make it. It all comes from the devil. Do you understand? The devil is the devil. Sickness equals devil. Sin equals devil. Lack equals devil. All these things equal devil. And I learned to dislike them to a point where I, where I decided I was going to keep all them things out of my life because the devil says, give no to the devil. People walking around, I'm just so sick, but I don't give any place to the devil. I'm just No, yeah, you're giving place to the devil right now, praise God. God told us not to do that. So so there's a holy hatred. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I call it. Yeah. HH, holy hatred of the devil and of his works that you acquire after a while. And when somebody comes up with sickness and disease, you hate that sickness, not the person. But you hate that sickness and disease and that devil tormenting someone who's in the body of Christ who has a legal right to be free in it. It makes you want to go in and turn over the money changers' tables and stuff, praise God. But we don't have any money changers in here, so we can't do that, praise God. All right, 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 8. It tells you to be sober. That scripture hit me hard. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren in the world all around. So here it talks about, praise God, our redemption. We've got to be sober. Now, how much sober deals with what? Deals with your soul, with your mind, with your thinking. Be vigilant. Why? Because you never know when the attack's going to come. You never know when you're going to wake up and feel like that. You never know when it's going to come. So I'm vigilant because your adversary, notice not your buddy, not your teacher, not your friend, your adversary, the devil, is as, say as. It does not say he's a roaring lion. It says he's as a roaring lion. What does that mean? He's got a big mouth. He's as a roaring lion, always roaring, walking about. Notice what he's doing, seeking whom he may devour. He's not devouring everybody. He's seeking whom he... Remember the old mother, may I? May I put sickness on you? Yes, you may. I'm sick. Thank you very much. Praise God. Mother, may I? So that's what he comes around to do here. He says he seeks whom he may devour. But watch how he does it. It says seeking whom he may do what? Devour. Say devour. devour. What do you devour with? Your mouth. What does he attack you with? His mouth. Mm-hmm. He's going to tell you all kinds of things, praise God. Your arm hurts by tomorrow morning. That thing's going to fall off. They're going to have to put it back on. He just magnifies anything, and, and he'll have people to help you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've got a pain in my back. Oh, my God, I had that pain in my back. I want you to know right now, I went through 14 surgeries in 42 years, and I still ain't fixed. It's just, is it in the same It's exactly the same spot that you are before you're out of there. You're walking like this, and you went in feeling pretty good. What is it? He uses whatever he can to convince you that what you have is fatal, what you have is terrible. So here it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your devil, the adversary, roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, whom we do resist, what? Steadfast, say steadfast. Now that's the same as where the other scripture we had, Galatians chapter 5. Stand fast. Here it tells you to be steadfast. What? In the liberty. Here it's stand fast in the faith. Not in the hope. Not in the wish, not in how many prayers you can pray, not in how many people are praying for you, but in the faith on the 
scripture that says you have been healed. Now watch this. You've got to know that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren throughout the world. What's that saying? You have not been singled out, not because of your wonderful, wonderful knowledge of God and your power that the devil's only picking on you and nobody else. You're the one he's after. He's got every horde of demon just chasing you and everybody else should be free because he's certainly after you. And, you know, people say, well, just because I've been doing so much lately, the devil's after me. <laughs> well, yeah, he is. Keep, keep wishing him in there, praise God. He said he attacks everybody. He don't care. He'll give a rat, man. He just wants to get everybody. He wants to get you off course. He don't want you doing anything. He wants you sick because if you're sick, you're not going to be out praying for the sick. You're not going to be out healing the sick. You're not going to be out there preaching the gospel. You're going to be in bed, and everybody around you taking care of you is also going to be there. You see, the only thing he wants to do is he wants to stop the kingdom of God. He's got his kingdom. God's got his kingdom. And God's kingdom is slowly overtaking his kingdom. Little by little by little. And he's not very happy about it at all. So he's got to stop people who who are out there doing it. And the only ones that can do it are born-again believers, basically, who know about the kingdom of God and their purpose for doing it. So he says, "Don't don't get all bent out of shape. Everybody gets attacked. He comes at everybody the same way it comes. But basically, one thing about it, once you get one victory, write it down. You know, I felt like I was getting a cold one time. I stood against the word of God and I got healed. March 12, 2018, healed by the stripes of Jesus after an attack. And then when the next attack comes, you say, oh, and then you go back and you say, well, let's say, yeah, back in March. Oh, back in April. Oh, back in 2016. Devil, remember back in 2015? Remember back in 2013 when you, oh, remember yesterday when you came? The same thing. I'm going to shove it right back in your face again because I'm not one whom you may devour, praise God. I'm going to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And since he made us free, how many know we can't take any credit for anything? See? Well, I confessed the word 5,000 times and God healed me. Well, good for you. You're so good. You're such a good Christian. No. If you do that, then you're taking credit for something that he already provided for you. Now, you may convince yourself enough to receive it finally, but that's not because you did it. It's because Jesus already provided it for you. It's just like salvation. It's by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It is simply a gift of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. Holy Ghost, I thank you that went right into the spirits of everybody here tonight. Anybody who listens to this online, the power of God will hit them right now. If you have a crutch, throw it away. If you're in a wheelchair, get up and walk. If you've got a problem in your body, tell it to go in Jesus' name. It goes right now. I thank you for this body being totally healed, every single person, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. I command every sickness and every disease and every pain and every malfunction to come out of the bodies of every single born-again, spirit-filled Christian. We give you the praise and glory, Father, for what you did 2,000 years ago. We thank you for in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, we will see you on Sunday. Sunday. the key.